Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to make this uh, Cosmic Navigator astrology meeting through a, from Esalen. It is a very magical place. Uh, I've been here with Laura Day and Nancy Winston for the last week. We actually had a five-day workshop on uh, transformation. And then we had the weekend that we're ending today about giving practical tools. And it great... Um, reception here we had actually had 200 people on the waiting list so that's why we decided to do another one at omega uh, to go to the east side so you guys in uh, new york or in the east coast and people that are in europe will find it a little bit easier will it will be in the end of may and will be similar um, subject matter will focus more on the seeds of power so each one of us will give you from their own paradigm how you can tap into your sense of power and i've already started thinking about how we can tie it to astrology and to the key words of astrology so that's super exciting you can go to my website and already you can sign in to the omega retreat it's going to be the perfect timing if you know upstate new york it is amazingly beautiful around may june so i hope to see some of you guys from europe and some of you guys from the east coast or some people who like to venture off from hawaii or from uh, the far east or from uh, the wild west so i'm definitely looking forward to may and this week is kind of interesting because first of all uh, before i forget we're going to have the class on pisces right on the 19th on the 19th we're going to have the class on the dolphins and pisces how to get along better with them and on the 16th, we added another class in LA, if you're in Los Angeles, about 2022, right on the full moon. It's going to be a pretty powerful full moon. We'll talk about it in a second. So we decided to add another 2022 class. So if you're around, I think it's going to be in West Hollywood. Please join us at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. So this has been a, a really interesting period for us uh, because we are now moving and shifting away from the retrogrades that we have, but we still have to deal with the shadow. So if you feel that you're getting deeper and deeper into your shadow or that you feel that it's hard for you to pull away from the shadow, it kind of makes sense. Welcome to the gang. We're all in the shadows along with uh, Dracula and the creatures of the night uh, because of this very powerful retrograde. The good news is that Mercury is going to shift this week to, Mer to Aquarius and Mercury feels much more comfortable in Aquarius. Uh, of course, you, uh, Mercury has wings and he can fly. It's a little bit tougher to fly when you're stuck on the ground with Capricorn energy. Uh, but the minute Mercury is going to move into Aquarius, it's going to start flying. So even though we're still in the shadow this week, you're going to feel a switch, a kind of an energy shift, shift probably around the full moon. The full moon this uh, this week is going to be pretty intense. Uh, you know, there even isn't talk about the invasion uh, coming around uh, Wednesday, but nobody says that Wednesday is the full moon. So it's going to be kind of interesting. Or maybe on Wednesday, we can have the beginning of the end of this stalemate between, I think it's not between Russia and Ukraine. I think that Russia and Ukraine are really good friends. Uh, they share a lot of commonality. I think it's more about Putin and the West. And it happens to be the Ukraine is just stuck in the middle there you know sometimes these conflicts have nothing to do with the country but they have to bear uh, the grant of it you know but overall uh, we'll talk about this uh, full moon so first of all i also promised you guys we're going to talk a little bit about uh, valentine's so that's what's coming up uh, i guess tomorrow 
for normal people that have Valentines. But no, really, you know, when I think, when I thought about it, I was just teaching a class about it here in SLN uh, about the symbolism and symbolism of holidays. Uh, the real, you can say, Valentines, that moment that you should celebrate love and be very romantic should not be in Aquarius. It should be during Leo. So the full moon in Leo that uh, happens around July, August, usually you can just Google full moon in Leo. That's your real Valentine. And they knew it already from the time of the second temple in Jerusalem. That was the biblical uh, Valentines where people celebrated uh, relationships. You know, so that time it makes a little bit more sense because the sun is in Leo and Leo is the heart. Leo is romantic relationship. The moon is in Aquarius. So it represents the connection between being very friendly with your partner, not platonic, but friendly, and yet having that romantic energy coming from the sun itself, which is really important. What is uh, happening in Valentine's, and this Valentine is kind of interesting because it happens to be almost two days to be opposite precisely to the biblical Valentine's. It doesn't always fall like that because Valentine's is always on the 14th of February. So it's lunar, uh, sorry, it's solar in its mentality because it always falls on the same date on the calendar. But uh, the full moon uh, biblical Valentine's that I, I can't say biblical Valentine, it's kind of a weird thing, but the biblical celebration of love is happening on the full moon in Leo. So we have the perfect uh, opposition, you can say, between the two. So... Uh, what is happening this week on February 16, just a day and a half, two days, depend where you are uh, from Valentine's, is that that period is actually not too bad for romantic relationship. It happens to be that the moon is going to be in Leo. Now the moon is in Cancer. By the time uh, we get into uh, Valentine's, it's going to shift a little bit more closer to Leo, being maybe in Leo even, depends where you are. And the moon in Leo is really very romantic. So the moon in Leo is an instinct to open your heart. The sun in Aquarius means that we have to do that in the context of the community. So I know it's a little bit tough now with uh, social distancing, etc. But if you can still celebrate your Valentine, your special day, but in a community or with friends, that would be really good. Because the origin idea of Valentine is basically community and people because it's always celebrated regardless of the moon during Aquarius, which is the sign of hope, the sign of altruism, the sign of community, people, nonprofit, uh, giving to people. So if you're thinking about the best day to actually uh, do some kind of donation or some kind of altruistic act, it's definitely in Valentine's or on Valentine's or around Valentine's. If you want to be very precise, this week is going to be on February 16, which is again a full moon that uh, has to do a lot with that duality of friendship and romance. Uh, the power of the people, Aquarius, to the power of the, of the one uh, or you can say the will of the people, which is Aquarius, and I will, my will, which is much more Leo. So that's what we're going to have uh, during this period, this week, the transit of Aquarius, uh, Mercury into Aquarius, which is super nice, and the full moon, which is a little bit intense, even though the symbol, the, the Sabian symbol for this full moon is a bunch of birds uh, singing of a branch, which is kind of interesting. Uh, right here in front of me, there are a few birds uh, singing on the branch. The door is open, so I can have like a view towards the greenery here. If you haven't been to Esalen, it is a very magical place. We're going to actually plan another event here uh, maybe next year. It's a place where the redwoods, that are the symbol of wisdom, come all the way to the ocean, which is the symbol of compassion. So you have this um, wisdom connection to compassion, which is basically what the Dalai Lama means in uh, Mongolian. 
Anyway, um, what do we have this week? Yeah, so February 14 is when Mercury enters Aquarius, right on Valentine's. That's actually very auspicious for people who are planning their Valentine's. Um, we have it right on Monday. Monday is the day of the moon. So again, this Valentine can be a little bit more emotional or maybe it's a Valentine where you can spend and be romantic actually at home instead of necessarily only going out. But uh, Mercury is entering Aquarius and it's going to be there until uh, March 10, which is really good for anything to do with communication with people, with friend, with uh, governments. If you have issues with governments, issues with permits, issue with uh, your company, this is actually a great time to resolve it. So now we're going to have three weeks where Mercury is the messenger, is helping us connect with co-workers, connect with uh, friends, connect with uh, people we feel are part of our tribe. So there's kind of tribe building. There's a network happening right now. And it's going to come out of the shadow on February 24, which is about 10 more days of lurking in the shadow. So we're going to have still Mercury retro, Mercury out of the shadow in Aquarius, which is very good for him, for about 16 days after, which is really, really good. Then in February 24, unfortunately, as the uh, caterpillar says in uh, Alice in Wonderland, Mercury is going to move into Pisces, which is... Very good for intuition, for psychic energy, for getting connected to uh, channeling, um, empathy. But Mercury in Pisces is fallen, meaning that it's not getting the best energy. We're going to have to wait three weeks after to the middle of, uh, uh, when is it going to be? Probably going to be, let's say, the end of uh, March, beginning of uh, April, when Mercury is going to be in Aries and it's much faster and things are going to move much faster. So again, now Mercury in Aquarius, very good for business, very good for communication, technology, innovation, uh, getting connected to the kind of friendships that you want. Maybe uh, things that were stuck with Mercury for a long time because of the retrograde, because of the shadow is going to be starting to open up much more. But then after February 24, another gate is opening and things are getting much, much better. Then we have the February 16 on Wednesday. We have that full moon, which is a, a great time to bring to completion something. It's a full moon in Leo. Completing things that have to do with um, love, happiness, creativity. Some people will feel that maybe their love, maybe after Valentine, uh, not, a very in, not a very good interaction. Maybe they feel that their love is waning in a sense. Or maybe they feel... The opposite, that the love is full and now we need to move to the next level. But the full moon represents usually a time of being caught between two forces, two, two energies that pull us back and forth. Again, it could be an opposition between my will and the will of my company or the will of my friend. So you might be hanging out with your friend and you have a clash of wills. You know, your will is moving one way, the, the other person's will is moving that way. Or you are battling or looking into how can I integrate my will with my company's will. That's why I told you in the book of 2022 to really focus on your mission statement and to figure out what are your values and to see this year, especially because the North Node is in Taurus, which is the sign of values, if your values are congruent with the values of your friendships or your community or your people. What will happen this year is you'll suddenly find friends that maybe you had for a long time and suddenly you realize, you know what, they have the same values as I do and the friendships become much stronger. Or what might happen is the opposite. You suddenly realize that this friend was really good for me for five, six years ago. But since then, their values completely shifted and changed. And we're now 
having a really difficult time. So again, this full moon is representing that uh, tension. And the tension doesn't have to be a fight or an opposition. It could be um, an attempt to find integration. Think about it as mixing colors. You know, you could say that, um, I don't know, red and, and, and yellow have some kind of conflict between them, but then you can find the orange, you know. So again, when you actually mix any kind of opposing colors, whether it's red, which is Aries, and green, which is Libra, you usually get this brownish gray hue, and gray represents wisdom. It represents the fuzzy logic. So again, this weekend, this week, we have that tension between my will and my community's will. Also, on March, on February 16, very close to Valentine's, it's official when uh, Venus and Mars come together, and that's the conjunction that we've been looking for for a long time. It's also going to be an exact conjunction around uh, March 6, but we're going to have that until middle of March, on and off. They're basically, it's really funny if you look at the chart, I think we looked at about la last week, you see Venus passing Mars, Mars passing Venus, Venus passing Mars. It's like they're walking together hand in hand, but sometimes he walks a little bit faster, and she tells him, can you walk a little bit slower, because I'm on high heels, and then he walks a little bit slower, but she says, no, it's okay, we can walk faster. So there is this whole dynamic between Mars and Venus. Mars passes Venus, Venus passes Mars, then they walk together perfectly. You know, maybe the road is a little bit narrow, so sometimes they could walk next to each other and sometimes they have to, you know, kind of decide who's leading forward. But the fact that Mars and Venus come together is really great. I mean, of course, always there could be some issues in your personal chart, but as we talk in transits terminology, this is actually a great, great time. It's two personal planets that are super important right now, and both of them are relatively in okay position. Mars and Venus in Capricorn is fine. There's no like exaltation, but there's no fall and detriment, so they're fine. And then when Mercury goes, uh, sorry, yeah, when Mercury does go into Aquarius, uh, then he helps the connection by being in a sign that's really uh, positive for them. And then Mars and Venus are going to move together into Aquarius. So we're going to have a pretty powerful time of Aquarius happening uh, very soon, where we're going to have uh, Mercury, Mars, and Venus there. Before that, though, uh, we're going to have an interesting period, as you can see on the slide, February 25 and 26. I know it's not in this week, but it's good to prepare for it because around that time, you're going to be able to do a lot of shadow work, meaning there's going to be a lot of ability to go deep into the underworld because Capricorn a lot of, a lot of time represents our shadow or what we're afraid of. Or the place where there is a lot of potential, you know, that uh, Capricorn is the Earth. And if you think about it, rare Earth, um, uranium, plutonium, gold, diamonds, everything, basically, water even comes from the Earth. So that's why uh, in the mythology of the Greek mythology, Pluto or Hades, Pluto means basically the riches of the Earth, it represents the underworld. All right, so when we have Mars, Venus, Mercury, Moon, Vesta, all of them in Capricorn, it's going to be forcing us to get into our patterns, to identify our patterns, because Mercury is going to help us with our mind understand our patterns. With our, because Mars is exalted in Capricorn, it's going to help us push forward and actually break some of these patterns. And Venus indicates that a lot of these patterns could be related to relationship, to finance, or to your values and how you deal with your values. And if your values and the way you make money are working together. And because Capricorn is very pragmatic, very practical, very down to earth, you know, this this week, I really recommend for you to look into, because I started reading it again, Laura Day's uh, Practical Intuition. 
because there are a lot of exercises, a lot of things that you can do there. And that could lead you to another book that can help you a lot right now, which is uh, The Circle, because it, it gives you the ability to, to basically manifest or bring into your life, materialize, let's say, uh, fetch to the earth things that you might be needing. And because Capricorn is I use, you can use that technology to actually make change in your life. So again, because we're going to have so much energies around February 25, 26, that has to do with Capricorn. Capricorn is career, success, recognition, focus, plan to open yourself up to investigation. You know, I'm not saying, uh, you know, it's the, um, it has to be painful, but it, it does talk about being able to be brave enough to venture into your shadow. Because in your shadow, even according to Jungian psychology, that's where your gifts are. You know, it's like uh, the black forest. It's like what Joseph Campbell always talked about as the magical grove or the sacred grove that when you enter in, it's scary, but also a lot of magic happens to you. So again, 25, 26 of February, very, very powerful time to do a lot of your shadow work. This is the full moon that we're having in February 26 in um, Los Angeles time. Sorry, I calculated for Los Angeles instead of London, so it's not UT, but you can uh, figure it out. It's 9 o'clock in the morning on February 16, um, so I guess it's uh, 12 o'clock um, for Easter time. Uh, so what we have is the sun opposite, of course, to uh, the moon. We have a little bit of emphasis in, um, wait, February 16. Yeah, Mercury, of course, is already in um, Aquarius because it moved to there tomorrow. And we have Saturn, of course, this whole year in Aquarius. But the interesting thing about that full moon is actually a pretty interesting positive energy coming from the black moon, which usually causes trouble uh, to the sun. The, the biggest issue of that full moon, we can say, is the square that it's forming to the north and the south node. And remember, the north and the south node are determined by the sun and the moon. So the fact that their generator, you can say, the two CEO of that company, the moon and the sun, are having problem with the nodal return, the nodes, is a little bit tension. And the tension is more emotional. And again, it triggers those that north and south node. The south node wants you to be less vindicative, uh, less worried about what other people think about you or what other people think you should do or what other people think your talents are or what other people think your worth is. And focusing more on your own identity of self-worth or what your talents are and your values. So again, this tension, a square doesn't mean bad thing necessarily. It means that something is scratching you. Something is causing you to have an adjustment. It's like going to a chiropractor in a sense. And even though it's really scary, especially what they do with your neck, it does create some kind of a release. And I'm saying neck because again, Taurus is this part of your body. So because this, we're talking about this area as being more sensitive because of Taurus and of course your nose and your sexual uh, organs, and maybe your lips also to pay attention because that's much more related to uh, Scorpio. So again, what it is going to do this full moon is kind of aggravate a little bit uh, the north and the south node, maybe showing you what are going to be the issues when we're going to have the eclipses. And the eclipses are going to be in uh, April, 20, uh, April 30th in um, 
May 16, and then again in October 25 and November 8 and 9, depends where you are in the world. So again, pay attention in this full moon to see what uh, comes up, because maybe it will give you a clue about what will happen in the eclipses. And the eclipses are not necessarily bad. The idea with eclipses that before April 30th, and I'll mention it here quite a lot, so don't worry, you start working on something you want to change in your life, because the eclipse is just it's like a swell of energy that push you forward. Um... Okay, what is the origin of Valentine's and where did it come from? So, like a lot of good things, it came from Rome. So, it is a continuation of a um, very interesting festivity that was related to uh, Juno. Juno or Febrea. Febrea, of course, is named February. February, it's Juno the purif purified. So, there's something about Aquarius that for the Roman talked about purification, maybe because it rains a lot at that time, maybe because there is that sense of fertility uh, because of the rain uh, coming around February. And what they used to do in February 13 to 15, hence the February 14, is sacrifice a lot of goats and a lot of dogs, unfortunately, also dogs, what can we do? And they took their skin off. I felt um, whatever, and they started um, basically covering themselves with that blood and then using the skin, I know it sounds kind of weird, uh, to, mm, I don't know how you can call it, I won't say strike or like um, basically hit, but probably fondly, uh, the girls. So basically that's how you chose your partner. Uh, maybe the goat spirit and the dog spirit uh, help them fight out. But it's kind of interesting because in this drawing, it's not so much goats. It's actually sheep much more. But the idea was that it was celebrated by um, taking sheep and dogs and goats and whipping women uh, with the skins of the animal that they just slain. It's almost like show, like, look, what can I do? And they believed that it helped with fertility, maybe the blood for the blood, like attracts like. So the young men usually drew the names of women from some kind of jar, and that was your Valentine. That was your, um, you know, uh, Februa uh, girl. Um, now, the, what happened slowly, of course, as Christianity started introducing itself into the uh, Roman Empire, is that Christianity believed much more in family. And that's why Christianity very much at the beginning appealed to women uh, much more than to men. That's why a lot of the emperor, like Constantine, like Clovis even in, in France, were converted to Christianity by the women. And it happened the same way in China, by the way, uh, with the women converting the men or the rulers to Buddhism. So it's something pretty interesting. The minute your uh, wife or your partner maybe goes into a certain religion, certain faith, they usually bring their partner. By the way, that's why a lot of time in certain cults or certain organizations, like let's say um, Scientology, for example, they don't like it with one couple is in and the other couple is not, and the other person in the couple is not. So what they did is basically um, the Christianity appealed much more to women, and therefore more and more women converted to Christianity and because the Roman Empire was all about, you know, they're the sons of Mars. It was all about war. It was all about soldiers, gladiators, and so forth. There was a conflict there because the empire itself was very masculine, very Mars-oriented, and it was slowly converting into Christianity, which is more feminine and more about home and family. You actually see it very well in the movie The Gladiator, that conflict between having to serve the emperor and wanting to actually be at home uh, with the land that was promised for me by the emperor for fighting in the in the periphery of the empire so I can be with my family and with my 
children. So what happened was that eventually there was an emperor who decided, you know what, marriage is against my interest. Men get married, especially to this Christian woman, and then they want to stay at home and not uh, go to fight the wars. So he basically... Uh, said that there is no more marriages in the empire. So some of the Christian, that's according to the story, some of the Christian bishops or some of the priests wed people secretly. One of them was supposed to be a guy called Valentine's and then he was put in jail. And apparently, I don't know how it was happening, but you know, it's a, it's a great story. Uh, he fell in love with the daughter's, with the jailer's daughter. And she slipped a note to him, that's the story, he says, to my Valentine's or for my Valentine. And then she wrote some stuff that didn't survive. And of course, he was executed like any good martyr. But anyway, there are so many martyrs that were called Valentine's that were executed on February 14 that eventually uh, in the third, uh, the fourth or fifth century, I think it was in the fifth century, um, yeah, the fifth century, Pope uh, Galatius decided, you know what, if you can't beat them, join them, I'm going to just put together that festivity that was very popular in Italy and the empire, uh, Lupercalia, which is basically named after Lupa. Lupa was the, the wolf that adopted uh, uh, Romus and Romulus. And we will basically unite it with the um, Valentine's Day. But at first, it wasn't that much about relationship. It was more about uh, friendship, by the way. And now it's a big business. As you know, it's about $17 billion business. So like everything, it survived into the new religion of consumerism by appealing, at least in the story, to people, obviously, to us. So that was Valentine's. And what I wanted to do for Valentine's and to honor the idea of relationship is to talk about compatibility between the different signs. And then if you guys have any questions, um, we'll try to answer them according to the signs, you know, like how you are in a couple with a sign. And I'll try to look over also at Instagram so you can have some uh, question there as well. So first of all, everything that has to do with compatibility between signs or between archetypes in a sense has to do with sacred geometry. And once you understand the sacred geometry, it's really easy to make sense of what is going on between the signs and uh, uh, which signs work with you and which signs do not. Now, one caveat that you have to be very much aware of, what we're talking about is your spiritual tribe. So when I say Aries get along very well with Leo, it doesn't mean that all Aries and all Leos are best friends. The archetype of Aries and Leo work very well. And if you are a Leo and you're an Aries, then your sons get along very well. But don't forget that you have your moons, you have your rising sign, you have your Venus sign, which is super important. You have your Venus and how it connects to your Mars and how that Mars persons connect to your Venus. And there is, of course, a Jupiter sign. So it's a little bit more complicated than that. But I always give the example of imagine you are a couple and one of you guys are from Australia and the other one is from Canada. It's super easy. You speak the same language. You belong to the Commonwealth up until recently. Uh, you have similar values, similar liberal ideas and ideals of life. You're probably going to get along pretty well. Compared to, let's say, somebody from Israel who falls in love with somebody from Iran. Okay, that's a little bit more complicated. You can't really fly directly. Uh, these, these people are trying to kill these people. These people are trying to sabotage those people. Your parents are freaking out. What are you doing with the Jew? Uh, his parents are freaking out. What are you doing with the Muslim and from Iran? She might be a spy. 
big miss. Their love could still be genuine and their compatibility is unbelievably well. But he can't invite her to Passover. She can't invite him to Ramadan. And there's a whole big mess there. So that's the, that's the best way to look at how these um, archetypes work together. Now, if you arrange the zodiac in a circle, right? No beginning, no end. We talked about it a lot. That's the real big invention of humanity, not the wheel that uh, moves cars, but the wheel in the way we think. Uh, that's the chakra. That's the sphere. Uh, so if you put all of the archetypes in a circle, then between the archetypes, you can start creating geometrical uh, positionings. Okay, what does it mean? So if we know that here in the drawing, you see uh, Aries is opposite to Libra. That's an opposition. What is an opposition in a circle? Their difference is 180 degrees, right? If you're, for example, um, 120 degrees from each other, we'll talk about it in a second, it might be between Pisces and Scorpio, because if you put in a circle Pisces here, then Scorpio will be here. And if you count, you'll see that the line represents 120 degrees, right? Because it's a trine. So everything in astrology that has to do with compatibility between signs has to do with sacred geometry. That's why astrology is very much about numerology, it's about symbolism, and it's of course about sacred geometry. So that's something to know because I don't want you to think about it by why this doesn't get along with that. It's not that they don't get along, they might activate each other or they might... Um, aggravate each other's insecurities in a sense. So it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Remember, we'll talk about square. Square means call to action. So it doesn't have to be a bad thing if you're called to action. For example, uh, the alarm clock in the morning is a call to action. I don't know a lot of people that absolutely love their alarm clock and wait all night long to hear their alarm clock waking them up. But without the alarm clock, we won't be able to function. So the same thing. You cannot have a chart for yourself without these squares, these red lines, because otherwise you just sleep the whole lifetime. You know, it's a one lifetime of siesta. So for me, even though a lot of astrologers will argue with that, for me, the ultimate connection between signs is the opposite sign. Even though, again, some people might not agree with me, but it's okay. I'm, I'm just telling you my opinion. Opposite signs are complementary because when you look at the mirror, what you see is yourself, but inverted. And I think that the opposite signs are the same. For example, Aries is war, then Libra, the opposite sign, will be peace. Aries is red, then Libra automatically will be green. Because they're on the same axis, you can say. So they're going to look into the same subject, but look at it in a different direction. So, for example, uh, the same scene is happening here, but I place two cameras. You know, one camera sees the back of this one, but the face of that one. And the other one sees the back of this one and the face of the other one. So it's the same scene, the same dialogue, but each one of the cameras is capturing something else, something different. So it is opposing, but it is the same. Okay. So any opposite signs have this connection, this like Lego clicking, like in magnet. And yes, it could be a little bit oppositional. And there's sometimes I want to go and have war and you're going to try to make me uh, have peace and I want to wear red and you want to wear green. And we kind of look weird when we're in the taxi together sitting like the red, green, like, but there is some compatibility there if you're able to fit it the right way, you know, like, you know, like in Lego. If you try to put them in the wrong way, even though they fit, it's not going to work. So opposition is the ultimate connection. And usually, I mean, not usually, always it represents the two signs of the different principles in alchemy. So again, one step back, 
Alchemy is also, like numerology, like sacred geometry, embedded in astrology. That's why astrology is such a beautiful system. It basically is a vessel for a lot of different technology, including color therapy, which we talked about quite a lot, including music, which we also talked about before. So what does that mean? It means that we have four elements in alchemy. We talked about it a lot. We have a fire, which is action. We have water, which is feeling. We have intellect or air, which is thoughts and, and words and communication. And we have earth, which is very pragmatic and practical. They're separated into two groups. The principle of gravity, which is feminine, which is water and earth. And the principle of levity, going up, which is fire and air. The masculine energies get along very well and the feminine elements get along very well. Okay, So what happens is that always these opposition will be made of two, sign, two elements that have to do with the same principle. So Aries will be fire, then Libra automatically will have to be air. Okay, Taurus, for example, is earth. Its opposite sign, Scorpio, will have to be water. Gemini is air. The opposite sign will always have to be fire, Sagittarius. Capricorn, Cancer is water. Then the opposite sign, Capricorn, will be earth. Leo is fire. Then the opposite sign, Aquarius, will be air. Virgo is earth. The opposite sign will be water, Pisces. So opposite signs give each other the space to grow. What does it mean? Uh, air. Uh, how do you create air? You take water, you hit it, then you get air right? So the fire and the air are related. They need each other. Or the fire itself, without oxygen, it can't burn. Same thing with water and earth. You want to water the garden so it can grow. You need water, right? Otherwise, it's a desert. And the earth and the water, sorry, needs a, a bedrock or some kind of a container in order not to spill all around. If you want to have a glass of wine, you need your cup. So always look at these, uh, the two elements of the same principle in, in alchemy getting along very well and connecting very well. So I just stated before you all of the signs that work really well with each other. Like we said, Aries, Libra, Virgo, Pisces, Aquarius, Leo, Cancer with Capricorn, Gemini with Sagittarius, Taurus with Scorpio, and Aries with Libra. So these are the opposite signs. Now, an idea here is that it doesn't always have to be your sun sign because in this principle, you can look at your moon signs. Moon signs is how you get along with each other in the home, how you're viewing parenting, how your mother will get along with his mother or how your family members will get along with your family members. Or even I've noticed it a lot of chart. Um, I noticed that when the moon is not getting along, it's a long distance relationship and they find it hard to find where to live together. So you can apply the same principle of sacred geometry also to your moon sign, your rising sign, your Venus sign. So what we're doing here with the sun sign, and I'm calling you an Aries or a Taurus, that very much related to all of your other things, all of your other planets as well. Now, if we look at the second best uh, combination, it's a trine. What is a trine? A trine is basically when you put all the zodiac wheel, the zodiac archetypes in a circle, and you start drawing triangles, you will find that you always connect three signs that belong to the same element again it's all alchemy and they get along very well so an aries will get along very well with a sag and with a leo because they're all fiery they're all going to go out and have a lot of time fun capricorn taurus and virgo will get along very well they understand each other everything is about the earth practical pragmatic don't be in the clouds talk to me practically 
Then Aquarius, Libra, and Gemini are all air signs. Yeah, let's go up to the clouds. Let's think about uh, ideals. Let's change the world, even if they can't. You know, again, it's all air signs coming together and talking, talking, talking. Then you can have water signs coming together. The Pisces, the Scorpio, and the Cancer, they get along very well. And they have the same principle. Yesterday in the class, I was talking about it because Laura represented her work with intuition and she basically talked about the act of mediumship when you basically allow something or somebody to basically be flowing through you and communicating through you. There is intuition, which is basically scattering your mind in order to get and glean some information. And there is the channeling, which is much more um, focused in a sense. Or sorry, there is healing, which is much more focused and then I thought about it. It's really interesting how in astrology we have all of this, all of these uh, things that have to do with intuition. We know that it relates to water. So we have Scorpio, which is a fixed sign. And what is Scorpio? The witch, transformation, healing, perfectly the same. What is uh, Pisces? Pisces is a mutable sign, sending it all over the place. It's not focused. And that is very much the idea of intuition. And then Cancer has to do with medium. Who, what is a medium? Somebody that allows himself to go or to have something flow through him. It's somebody that is allowing to kind of let go a little bit in order to allow something else to go through. I know only two situations when that happens. In pregnancy, do you have actually a baby inside. And of course, Cancer is all about pregnancy and the womb. And when you're in a medium, when you're allowing something else to uh, embody you in a way. So again, you can see that a lot of these things fit perfectly in astrology as well. So whenever you have a sign that is 120 degrees away from you, creating this beautiful triangle, Pythagoras was enthralled by um, by triangles. He thought that everything is a triangle. It's not like you have love triangles. There is only love two triangles. That's why the Trinity is there. So again, when you have a relationship with somebody who is in the same element as you, it gets along very well. The third best is your neighbor's neighbor. What does that mean? If you're a Capricorn, you're going to get along very well because you're an earth sign with a water sign. Where is the closest water sign to Capricorn? You have to skip Sagittarius, which is the neighbor, and go to Sagittarius' neighbor, which is Scorpio. So if you always look at the zodiac and you skip one sign next to you, it will be a very good sign for you. It, together, it creates the six-pointed star, which is in a lot of time. It's basically the symbol of uh, alchemy, all the elements combined together. But it really talks about powerful protection. So, for example, if you're a Sag, you're not going to get along so well maybe with the sign next to you, Scorpio or Capricorn, because when you share a border, it's always a mess. <laughs> Believe me, I grew up in Israel. But... A Sagittarius will not get along well with Scorpio, but great with Libra, which is the neighbor of Scorpio. So your neighbor's neighbor is always going to be your best friend. You can meet together and gossip about the neighbor in between you that is so loud and that is uh, throw his cigarette bud over the fence. Yeah, he does the same to me. Your best friend. So the neighbor's neighbors get along very well. And if you look at alchemy, it basically means mixing before that in the trine it's basically the same element now we're talking about the same principle so capricorn with scorpio will get along very well virgo with scorpio will get very well virgo with cancer super good cancer with taurus very good taurus with pisces very beautiful pisces with capricorn great on the other uh, two, uh, the other principle that's masculine, Aquarius will get along very well with Sag. Sag will get along very well with Libra. Libra with Leo. Leo with Gemini. Gemini with Aries. Aries with Aquarius. Aquarius with Sagittarius. Makes sense. 
The most difficult one is considered to be the square. What is a square? Very simple. You put the zodiac in a wheel, all the, all the archetypes. Then you start drawing a square, which is basically 90 degrees. If you count the degrees on the circle and the degrees of the zodiac wheel, you'll find that these are the most difficult to handle because it creates a square. Square is a clash. Um, even in Feng Shui, when you uh, sage your home, they always go, they tell you, go to the corners. Because where the corners are is where it all kind of um, get messed up. So Aquarius will not get along very well with a Scorpio. A Scorpio will not vibe very easily with a Leo. A Leo will not find himself easily with a Taurus. A Taurus will not very easy with Aquarius. Now, these are elements that are contradicting. They're opposite elements. Aquarius is air, right? It goes up, masculine. Scorpio, which he doesn't get along with, is water. It's feminine. It goes down. So Scorpio is fire. Obviously, it's going to have a hard time with an element of Leo, which is a uh, fire. Same thing with Leo. Uh, and, and think about it also energetically speaking and what they mean. So Aquarius is all about, I love everybody the same way. I'm democratic. I love you guys. You're amazing. Yeah, the Scorpio says, what do you mean you're amazing? Don't you like me a little bit more? Didn't you say that I'm the one that you had the most amount of connection to? Yeah, yeah, I did, I did. So what, you told the other person the same way? Yeah, three days ago, that's what I felt. Great, you're not my friend, goodbye. That's the Scorpio. Or I noticed it a lot in technology. Think about it, Aquarius is technology, innovation, Facebook. What is the biggest issue? The feeling of security, privacy. You know, you don't feel private. They know everything about you. Who is they? The corporation, that's Aquarius. What is Scorpio concerned with? My privacy, my intimacy. Think about Scorpio and Leo, for example, that difficulty that Scorpio um, wants to dance naked uh, at midnight, right? It's the witch. Leo wants to be in the middle of the day in front of everybody uh, and exposed. Write about me, whatever you want to write. I don't care as long as you write something about me. Yeah, yellow pages, whatever, whatever. Write about me something. Scorpio will not even give you their address, their number, their name, their last name. They want privacy. And that's what I noticed a lot of time with Actors or performers that are Scorpio have a hard time with fame, which is Leo. So I always want you to look at the geometry, but also look at the mythology and the idea behind these archetypes. And the most interesting thing is that I discovered when I did this presentation a while back, that if you actually add or put together all of the opposing signs, they will meet together in the middle, in the axis, in the axle of that wheel. And that is the immovable point. If you add all of those opposite signs together, you basically create everything there is because it's a Scorpio with a Taurus and it's an Aries with a Libra and it's a Pisces with a Virgo. Then you put all of those together, you get into the center of the wheel, the only part in the wheel that doesn't turn. That is the oneness. That is the axis mundi that the Buddha tried to find in order to attain enlightenment. So if you want to attain enlightenment, you have to be just as Capricorn as you are a Cancer. Just as uh, career-oriented as a faithful mother. Just as working on your talents as you're working on other people's talents. Just as able to go to fight for something as able to sign a peace treaty and compromise. Does that make sense? It is the ultimate balance is to find yourself in the middle. And when you're in the middle, astrology doesn't need, you don't need astrology anymore. That's it. You're light. You're the light of the sun. So now I wanted to leave some time for uh, questions uh, about compatibility or uh, before we go a little bit to see what's happening this year.
this week sorry not gonna be as ambitious this week so in instagram if you can now um ask me questions 29 somebody asking instagram 29 is not necessarily a karmic number depends on your own karma but 29 adds up to 11 and 11 is a karmic number 11 is a master number it's the one looking at oneself in the mirror so that always it works now people from the same sign some people ask about people from the same sign where is the chat okay People from the same sign can get along very well. The only thing, it can get awfully boring after a while. Okay? So it's like meeting somebody who's just like you. Perfectly just like you. Oh my God, we drink the same food. We drink the same way the coffee. We eat the same food. So at first, it's kind of exciting. But after that, it's kind of boring. We're doing all this time the same. Why do I need another person if they're not even challenging us? So again, there is no such thing as two people that are perfectly aligned the same way. Uh, there are they're called twins and that's why in the tarot card the card for twins gemini is the lovers because all twins are basically lovers from past lifetimes but um, usually you might be born closer to one edge of the sign the other person is closer to the other edge of the sign so you have a little bit of a different hue to the same color Uh, is all of this by chance in your book Uh, uh, not yet, not in the book that I wrote for 2022. It is in a book that I started writing five years ago, kind of finished it and uh, decided that I have to wait with it because there was a lot of new research about the brain, uh, feminine, masculine, and I didn't want to get into trouble. But it's a good idea that I have to publish it. Yeah, my Pisces rising makes me kind of lazy in a weird way, not a regular way, in a weird way. Did you say the sign opposite to one sun sign is best because of the depth of learning, meaning dark side revealed overcome? Yes, for the first part, not so much for the other part. So yes, I told you that opposite signs get along very well because they complement each other. And complementary is very, very important. Even in modern physics, we have that terminology of complementary. I, I can't pronounce it. I never can pronounce it. It's complementary rare. Compliment, anybody knows modern physics? David Baum, he basically came up with that idea that particles will work in a compatible way, in a sense, or that there is sometimes these paradoxes that actually make uh, our our world possible by fitting them together. Any thoughts on the concept of twin flames? You know, twin flames have been very modern, I mean, very much getting a lot of really powerful vibe in the last 50 years, 60 years, 100 years since we were allowed to choose our own partners. Because up until recently, the what two bill two million years that we homo erectus maybe i don't know maybe the cavemen did fall in love with people but later on when we started developing uh, civilization because i don't know what happened before there is no marriage for love everything was very much utilitarian i meaning basically everything was a transaction now maybe in the past in our evolution it wasn't about prince and prince having to meet together or or people wanting to keep the 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 money in the family by marrying other people that are rich whatever it wasn't that political but maybe it was more genetics or oh, i'm going to have sex with that guy because he has a lot of red and red is healthy whatever you know so he always had some kind of a transactional aspect to it In the last hundred years, we have been open much more to the fact that we can choose our own partner. And that's when issues of twin flame, soulmates started coming. But my idea of it is that anybody that you travel with, which is very, very connected to you, you are their soulmate. And your son might be your soulmate more than your husband. And that's why I hear a lot of women say, man, if you come into my life after I already have a kid, just as you know, I'm number, my kid is number one. 
you're going to be number two because what she's basically saying, this kid is my twin flame, okay? Or it might be your father or it might be your best friend. So don't get caught up too much with the twin flame that I'm not going to compromise being with this person because it doesn't feel like my other half when your other half might be your son, at least in this life. As an Aries, uh, the least uh, preferable sign would be Capricorn and Cancer. Yes, but I wouldn't call it the the least preferable. That's kind of uh, intense to talk like that. But the less amount of compatibility on the surface might be like that. Yeah. But one of my best friends is a Cancer. And we've been best friends since like, what, uh, the age of uh, 13? But of course, I have a Pisces rising and she has an Aries rising. And I'm an Aries. Okay, so... There's always these crossovers between the rising sign, the sun signs. Uh, what is the compatibility outlook for a Leo woman born? Okay, we can't get so... Comp- uh, I can't really pull up your chart, so that's not going to work. Multiple past life soulmates. Yeah, there is. I think that also sometimes what happens is that you might have a soulmate from... Um, or let's say not call it a soulmate, a very strong connection to a soul that you traveled with in last past lifetime or a lifetime before. And also don't forget, we travel in clusters. So it always work together. Like we have like a, a group, like um, you know how they used to have these, um, not caravans, but they used to travel together in, a, in like, in a, I guess in the caravan, like the actors, and they used to go from one city to the other and give different shows in the Shakespearean time. All of them were, of course, men because men played women. But let's imagine they're very progressive and there were women there. So that's how you are. You're a soul, you're a traveling soul group. And every time you come to a town, you figure out what is the play that will be the best uh, for this town. So, yes, you have a, a group, a troop of soulmates. Leo woman with a Virgo man. Like I told you, borders is not always easy because you share a border. If, if, if you can figure out a way that's very good for you guys to have boundaries, that will really work well. The Celtic tradition has an idea of Amankara, which means uh, the soul friend, very similar to what um, Anamkara. I love that. Yeah, it's uh, definitely... Um, I think that a lot of cultures have that. You know, sometimes the Sufis say, show me your friends, I'll tell you who you are, instead of show me your partner and I'll tell you who you are. So uh, I think that that's, that principle is very much the same. Does the moon sign usually represent a husband or wife or just a lover? Or is it Venus? Usually it's much more Venus. The moon would represent a lot of time the mother or the the more nurturing parent because right now these days we have a lot of fluctuation between the genders so it could be that the moon represent whoever nurtured you much more whoever breastfed you either symbolically or really you know so daddy stay at home daddy could be your moon sign sometimes they say that saturn is the grandmother but i've noticed it's much more the father also the son is the father do you think the moon and rising sign affect the compatibility as well as the sun? Yeah, of course. And it also depends on your sun. It also depends on your rising sign. So definitely uh, your rising sign is your path. If your rising sign and your partner's rising sign are very contradicting, you have different paths. So, you know, I noticed some couples are like three years he's studying and she's working extra. Then she decides to do her PhD and he's working extra. Their paths are kind of linked together. And then you have couples that it doesn't matter what you do. She found, a, found finally made it work for her, a store, a little store in San Francisco, and he gets a job in Hong Kong. Great. Now what? You know, so that means that their paths are a little bit more difficult or harder to come together. Rising sign Aquarius, rising sign Virgo. 
they're not opposite to each other. Aquarius is opposite uh, to Leo. But again, it depends if you're at the end of Aquarius, you know, so it's, there's no rules, but definitely um, it is a little bit different. Rising Sun and Sun Sign, um, both are in Scorpio and romantic relationship are very challenging. You know, for Scorpio, it is a little bit tougher relationship because they're, they're what they need from a relationship and their uh, ideal of relationship are very, very, I wouldn't say high, they're very deep. So it's not always easy to contain a Scorpio. You know, I was talking about it here a lot with uh, Nancy Winston about, and she's a psychologist. She's a, a Erickson psychologist and does a lot of hypnotherapy and a lot of trance work. And we talked about how sometimes in relationship, it is very difficult to contain certain people. What does it mean? He really loves you. He really does love you. But his love can only reach a certain amount because not because you're greedy with love, but because there's so much of you. I can't fit you in my suitcase. So that means that when I travel, I can't take all of you. I take just part of you. So you always have to decide which part is he going to love and which part can I not share with him. Now, the Dalai Lama says that we're in the West are crazy. We expect our partner to be our best friend, our sister, our brother, our sex uh, uh, instrument, uh, and to be uh, our consultant, to be our parent, to be, okay, that's too much then maybe you have to spread it. You have to have a good friend where you have a lot of intimacy with and another person who is kind of your sister or your brother. So you have to spread a little bit that intimacy. So with somebody who has so much Scorpio in them, I would really suggest to spread that intimacy with other people. And then it could be that somebody will find it possible to contain you. Um, any other... Let's see basically really quick what's happening this week just to know that I... Uh, managed to do that for you. Where is... Uh, hmm. No. So to make sure that we go over what is happening this week. Let's do it like this. And let's do... A-a-m. So this week, what we have, today's February 6th, no, today's not February 16, today's February 13, and it's minutes, I know why, I tried to uh, organize it for you for before, let's put 12 p.m., and let's make sure, okay, sorry, the shadow is still here, ah, blaming the shadow is kind of not very nice, um it's not that bad here so here we have the animated page so february 11 friday no today's not february 11 right 13 but now it's programmed right so um what we have is on february 13 you can see that the mars venus pluto mercury they're all in capricorn and we're just going to have to wait for the moon to join capricorn which is going to happen like i told you february 25 26 But as you can see, we have a nice triangle between the moon and Neptune today. This is great for any kind of intuition work, any kind of psychic work, anything to do with uh, dance, movement, meditation, intuition, poetry, dream work. Great time for that because the moon is in Cancer. We talked about Cancer being a medium, being very much the mother energy. Neptune, the ruler of uh, mysticism, the ruler of intuition, the ruler of anything that has to do with extra perception, is right on top of Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, and sending a beautiful trine to the moon. 
very strong positive energy to get a lot of insight today, tomorrow. Really pay attention to it. And by the way, I've seen Laura do it here every day. Uh, she has in the morning, if you go to Laura Day Intuit, on, um, and some of you are already there. On Instagram, she has a free Instagram where people read each other, people uh, work with uh, uh, the chakras or the energy centers every morning. I really recommend it. I've been uh, popping in and out whenever I come here to get coffee and she happens to be there on the sofa doing it. I do it with her, but highly recommend it, especially if you can join this week. Because this is precisely the time where Neptune, the moon, all of this is the best constellation for you to start working on this kind of work if you haven't done it before. Still, we have that Mars-Venus sending beautiful energy trying to Uranus, which is, again, very good energy that has to do with Earth. And the moon and Uranus sending beautiful energy right now. So that is a very auspicious day today. Tomorrow on February 14 on your Valentine's. What is happening in Valentine's? We have, again, Mercury is in the last edge of Capricorn moving into Aquarius. So if you can make your dinner a little bit later, you're going to be able to catch Mercury, not in, tour, in Capricorn, but in Aquarius, which is much better for communication, much better for your, uh, your, your dinner situation. And probably also you're going to be able to get along with people around you much better. But the moon moves tomorrow to Leo. So that's why I told you that the Valentine's this year is actually the opposite of the biblical Valentine's, which is fitting perfectly because the moon in Leo activates the heart. Uh, that's great for this Valentine. The fact that it's Venus on top of Mars. You see Venus 15 degrees, Capricorn, um, Mercury, uh, sorry, Mars. Cap Let's see what is the uh, Sabian symbol. Boys and girls in a gymnasium suits. I mean... Even the symbol, the, the Sabian symbol, remember I told you that every degree in the 360 degrees of the circle in the zodiac wheel has a symbol. And the symbol of Venus and Mars coming together for the first time in about a year um, is boys and girls in gymnasium suits. So it means that your younger masculine and feminine coming together right on Valentine's as the moon is in Leo. Um, even if you don't have a Valentine, which uh, I don't, um, I'm going to do something special. I really don't know what, but I'll try to create some kind of a situation where I go to dinner with my masculine and feminine energies. And maybe I'll try to kind of invent a communication between them or a talk between my masculine and feminine and try to see which what is needed from each one of them. And because, again, we are now with Venus and Mars in Capricorn, Capricorn is maturity. I'm not saying you have to be with people who are older than you, but people who are wise, ancient, stable, grounded, will be really good uh, to hang out, especially in the next month with. Or it might mean that you might meet people like that. Again, the moon is moving into Leo, February 14, 15, 16. A lot of creativity, entertaining things happening, a lot of connection to physical activity and love, love, happiness. But again, the, um, the full moon that we have is a little bit intense because of ego. So be a little bit careful. That's why when everybody talked about Wednesday as the possible day for invasion, I was, in Ukraine at least, 
for now, I felt, oh, because it's a little bit of clashes of ego. And I don't have to tell you that a lot of the politicians involved in this situation have issues with ego. So when the moon is in opposite to the sun, the sun in Aquarius is governments, organizations. NATO is Aquarius. The Russian Federation is an Aquarius. Ukraine is Aquarius. All of these, not necessarily that their sign is Aquarius, but they fall under the umbrella of Aquarius because they're government. And they're opposite to the moon in Leo. My instinct is to think about my ego. So again... It could be tricky around that full moon. That's happening again. February 15th, 16th, depends where you are in the world. So put your ego under watch uh, on the 15th, 16th. On the 16th, we actually have the full moon. The Sabian symbol of the full moon is birds on a, cl- on a, on a branch uh, singing um, some songs. Can't be that bad. And you can see Venus 16 degrees, Mars 16 degrees. So let's look what is the Sabian symbol for their union on 16 degrees. A girl uh, bathing in the nude. Okay, um, that's kind of nice. A girl is bathing in the nude. Uh, you can make of it whatever you want to make of it. But that's the, the, that's the Venus and Mars degree that they're coming together on February 16, right on the full moon. It's kind of interesting. The first image I get is Bathsheba. Bathsheba, Bathsheba in the Bible bathing naked on the rooftop and David seeing her and deciding oh I like her I need to be with her even though she's married and he manages eventually to dispose of the husband who was a loyal servant fighting for him in the front blah 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 then punishment uh, arrived. So be careful if you're seeing somebody bathing naked and not to fall in love with her especially if she's married and especially if that person happened to be your friend. Hmm. So there seems to be something about triangles there. But Mercury is in Aquarius. Much better energy. Definitely starting from, like I told you, 14, 15. Going to really help us. Then on February 17, we have the moon moving into Virgo and creating, you can see, a beautiful trine to Uranus. So there's going to be a lot of action, movement, especially around technology, innovation, a service, service that has to do with technology or a service towards a community or people trying to be more connected to altruism. Again, the moon in Virgo, very practical, very pragmatic, especially on February 18, which is a Friday, very powerful day of manifestation, making things happen. The North Node, the moon and Venus and Mars and even Pluto are creating this beautiful triangle of protection. And it is the last day of Aquarius because on Saturday, which is the 19th, when I'm doing the class on Aquarius, um, and you can sign on my website uh, or, or the link that I gave you here in Zoom. We're going to have that sun in moving into Pisces. Very strong positive energy that has to do with mysticism and meditations and intuition and dance and movement for the next uh, basically 30 days. And we have Jupiter, the ruler of Pisces, the traditional one in Pisces. And we have Neptune, the modern ruler of Pisces in Pisces. It's a big Piscean celebration. And the moon is moving on Saturday and Sunday to Libra. The moon in Libra is the moon of peace. So, guys, thank you very much. Have an amazing Valentine's Day. Have an amazing full moon. Take care of yourselves. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about, like I promised this week, sorry, it's delay, of the Pluto return and the Neptune opposition in the USA chart, which affects all of us in the world. So I really uh, thank you guys. And again, sorry for always moving around the world and uh, changing backgrounds. I try, my, I try my best. I hope this mic was good enough. So anyway, have an amazing week. Love you. Happy Valentine's. Uh, 
hope to see you guys in person in Omega or on Zoom in the class or to or this week if you're here in LA. And uh, again, check out the uh, free morning check-ins with uh, Laura. So I have you check in every Sunday. Uh, we're going to church together, and she just does it every day. So thanks a lot, and see you soon.